Welcome to Eurodollar University with Jeff Snyder. My name is Emil Kalinowski, and Jeff Snyder didn't become the head of global research for Alhambra Investments by going out and having fun and doing things that normal people do. What he did was pour through transcripts of Federal Open Market Media meetings, as well as look at curves, yield curves. Every day he's looking at yield curves. Every single day, that's all he does all day long. So I want you to keep that in mind, keep that context in mind when I read this sentence to you. This is a truly weird shape for the U.S. Treasury curve to find itself in. I can't recall a time when the curve was this oddly drawn. I could say the same thing because I don't remember any yield curves. But when Jeff Snyder says it, that means something, Jeff. Wow. 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 Tell us about the U.S. Treasury yield curve right now. It's not even a curve, right? It's almost the right angle. It's absolutely strange. It's extremely steep at the front end out to the two year. And then it's almost like a 90 degree turn to the rest of the long end of the yield curve where it's almost perfectly flat. There's a little bit of an upward slope to it, but you know, it's, it's almost like the top half of a box, which honestly, I can't recall seeing, I can't recall a yield curve shape being exactly like this. I mean, We've seen flat before, we've seen inverted curves before, but this extremely steep and then sharp angle change is just, it's odd. It's extremely odd. Now with the magic of editing, I'm going to snap my fingers and pop up a graph for our audience that's watching this on YouTube that shows exactly what you're describing with a few dates. Now for the audience that is uh, driving and can't be you know, watching YouTube at the same time, they can go to, once they're done driving, of course, the Alhambra Investments blog and go to the 9th of March, 2022, and look up a blog post titled Odd Curve Shapes or More Chinese Than Russian. Wow, there it is. I did it. Jeff, people see three dates. No, they see four dates. You picked out the 24th of February, 2021, October 21st, 2021, and then December 1st, 2021. Just very quickly, why did you pick those dates and what should we be seeing in the transformation of this treasury yield curve? Well, Emil, you know, February 24th, 2021, that was obviously the Fed wire, something we've been pointing out ever since February 25th, I think it was 2020 or February 26th. And it's aftermath said, hey, this seems kind of important. Let's keep our eye on this. And sure enough, ever since then, the yield curve shape at the long end has changed. And so Going back to last February, you had a yield curve that was somewhat optimistic, somewhat better than it had been in 2020, which not a very high uh, comparison. So going back to February of 2021, that was sort of the high watermark where the yield curve was relatively mm -hmm. upward sloping, which is optimism, somewhat optimistic about the future. And then ever since then, you fast forward to October, things started to change where the front end of the curve started to rise a little bit. The back end of the curve had started to flatten, but not really all that much. Still mostly upward sloping, still relatively good, but somewhat changing, somewhat transforming. As uh, we talked about many times over the last five months, ever since October, late September, early October, that's when things really started to happen. Things really started to move. So from October to December 1st, December 1st is not a date that I picked by accident or randomness. That's when the euro dollar futures curve first inverted. And you can see how the yield curve shape changed from October to December. Again, more up front, more flat in the back. And then, of course, we get into March of 2022. And the yield curve just looks absolutely crazy, actually. This sharp angle where it's 
you know, we all, we talk about the yield curve being two different curves at times. This is maybe the best uh, example of that fact that we can probably, we can ever present. You mentioned December 1st, 2021, the day that the euro dollar futures curve yield inverted for the first time. And we're going to look at a euro dollar futures curve graph in a second. But before we do, I want to go to Twitter because that's where Miguel, who goes under the Twitter hashtag or tag of at 305 charting, he asked you a question, Jeff, and it has to do with the treasury yield curve. Why is it taking the 10 year, three month so long to catch up to others? Jeff, do I understand that correctly? That you know, the other part of the curve are seem to be flattening faster than those particular two points. Is that what he's asking? Yeah, no, that's the part of the curve space that a lot of people pay, pay attention to. You, usually it's either the 210 or the three month 10 year spread. And so what you can see in this chart progression that we showed you from February to, to you know, forward to March 2022 is how the yield curve flattening has progressed, where it's sort of like this rolling wave where it progresses upward at the middle of the curve. It moves up to the front to more to the front, more to the front. And so it, the flattening hasn't reached the three month space yet because the three months hasn't undergone any Federal Reserve rate hikes yet. So the Fed influences the front end of the Treasury curve by raising IOER and the IRP rate, the federal funds target, which has a direct, more direct effect on short term Treasury bill rates and things like that. So what the curve is saying is that it's sort of moved, the flattening has moved from the back to the front. And so the reason why the three-month, 10-year spread hasn't flattened out like all the others is that it hasn't progressed to that part yet. So the back end is remaining flat, while the front end has continued to be steep, pricing in some unknown number of Federal Reserve rate hikes. So the U.S. Treasury bond market is the biggest bond market in the world. The biggest futures market in the world is the Eurodollar futures market. And if we graph the future prices and figure out what the yields are, the implied yields of those contracts, we would get a chart that looks very similar to, well, what we just went over with the U.S. Treasury yield curve going back in time, those exact same dates. Now, Jeff, this particular chart, the first one we talked about, you said resembled a right angle. This is more of kind of like a retching cat. <laughs> what are we seeing in these four? Are we corroborating or are we even what are we, the warning is even greater with greater emphasis. Why, I suppose, has the Eurodollar futures curve taken it so personally as to what the Federal Reserve is doing and inverted already while the Fed, while the Treasury curve has not? Yeah, this is taking, it's, again, you're right. It's the same general curve shape where it's very steep up front. The market anticipating the Fed is going to start hiking rates and they're going to continue hiking rates for some unknown period of time. And then all the real interesting stuff or all the real businesses at the back end where unlike the treasury curve, where it's still modest, it's flat, but modestly upward sloping, we have, what do you call it? A retching cat. <laughs> we have, we have this sort of swooping around where it's then upside down and, and going lower through the back end. So it's, it's completely inverted from the reds on out into the greens and the blues and into the golds a little bit. So what the euro dollar futures curve is telling us, it's strictly about the future possible trajectory of three-month LIBOR and therefore tied directly to Federal Reserve policy, where again, as, I, as we talked about in just a recent episode, the, right, the long end of the Treasury curve is more about growth and inflation, so it's a little bit less, less of a straightforward interpretation. So in that sense, the Eurodollar futures curve, because it is directly related to three-month LIBOR, 
directly related to future expectations of short-term money rates, it's a little bit more immediate. It's a little bit more directly in line of you know, monetary policy and the conditions that will change what the Federal Reserve is thinking, what it might be doing in the future. And because it's inverted and such, it's really inverted. It's upside down by about 30 basis points top to bottom, which is a very steep inversion. What it's saying is essentially that the Fed is going to start hiking rates. In fact, it's going to do so in a mere matter of days. And it's going to continue hiking rates for some unknown period of time before in all likelihood, Jay Powell gets on TV one day and says, we're going to stop hiking rates. And then there's a not insignificant chance not long after he says we're going to stop hiking rates, we might actually have to start lowering rates again. So that's really what the curve is telling you, that there's a very distinct probability. Everybody thinks the Fed's going to start hiking rates to the moon when they're going to have to stop and say we're done before anybody really expects that to happen. And then there's another probability that they actually might have to start lowering rates at some point. And that's really what the curve, that's all the curve tells you. And then it's up to you to put that together with the yield curve or with economic data or with repo fails or any number of other things to think about, gee, what might have to happen for the Fed that is very hawkish to suddenly stop being hawkish and start becoming dovish again? What does the world look like where that actually happens? Well, Jeff, it could be that the, the mainstream will tell us what it is. It's Russia, war, NATO, invasion. That's what's causing it. But you, you don't believe that that is the instigator, the trigger of what got us into this position. It's perhaps, con it's certainly contributing. It's not good news, but that's just part of the story. It's something bigger. You keep referring to it as hedging for something. Is that something demand destruction, economic slowdown, recession? Is it that inventory glut that is on its way onto our shores, right? When consumers are perhaps not feeling as if they want to spend more at the gas pump and on goods. What is that something that you're, you believe the Eurodollar futures and the treasury curve are worried about? It's Yeah, it's everything that you just said. It was last year's growth slowdown that has actually progressed okay. into something more dangerous this year. It is Russia and Ukraine and the spillover, whether it be food prices or energy prices or all of those other things. Those are being added on top to what are these other pre-existing, more baseline worries and concerns. So that something is, it's bigger than Russia, Ukraine. It's a global economic problem that it just isn't going the right way. It isn't going away. It continues to progress in the wrong direction. And so what we see in the Eurodollar futures curve is that as we have these short-term news about, okay, Russia, Ukraine is getting worse, you'll see the Eurodollar futures curve as a whole start to come down, which means the market is pricing that maybe the Russia, Ukraine will stop the Fed, will cut back on the number of rate hikes. Maybe it won't. And then a couple of days later, there'll be news about Ukraine, Russia talking about a ceasefire. Things get more optimistic. The entire curve will shift back higher. And that'll be, you know, maybe the, that Russia, Ukraine won't interrupt Jay Powell's rate hike plans. But either way, whether it's Russia on, Russia off, whether it's other, you know, more rate hikes, fewer rate hikes, the back end of the euro dollar futures curve has been entirely consistent up and down. In fact, the inversion has gotten a little bit worse every time we go through this, which means that regardless of Russia, regardless of the number of rate hikes, it stays inverted in the same shape at the back end, which I believe refers to this something else the market is hedging against, which is this underlying baseline note of the entire global economy is heading in the wrong direction. 
And even if Russia, Ukraine adds another $20 to oil prices, oil prices were already probably $30 too high to begin with. So we already had this element of demand destruction that we just talked about with the Treasury curve going back to last October, where it looked like the market was starting to price in bigger probabilities of something happening in 2022. And that hasn't changed no matter what goes on with Ukraine or Russia. All these curves up and down, back and forth, the curve shapes remain the same regardless, which is the market saying that it's not short run news. It's the long term potential that is creating this need to hedge. Jeff, would you like to continue with the rest of your article where you talked about China and producer prices, consumer prices there and what they might suggest for the direction of the economy? Would you like to answer one of our listeners' questions, perhaps about the 94 bond market crash, the euro going down, the currency, or the Indian rupee perhaps going down quite a lot to the all-time low? Which of those would, topics would you like to cover? Let's talk about the rupee. Me too. That's the one I would pick. The reason I mentioned the rupee recently is that, as I said before, it's not one thing or another. It's not like the yield curve is in an odd shape, but nothing else is. And so we look, we stare at the yield curve and think, well, why is that an outlier looking so odd when everything else looks really good? It's everything. It's the yield curve. It's euro dollar futures. It's swap spreads, which should be compressing rapidly. They're decompressing. In fact, the 30-year swap spread should be decompressing rapidly. The 30-year swap spread dropped down to its lowest level since last summer on the eve of the Fed's first rate hike. It's all of these things. It's the U.S. dollar's exchange value going higher when CPIs are going higher, when the Fed is supposed to be fighting inflation. So we have all of these consistent signals that are telling us deflationary potential is rising in the markets as well as in the economy. I'm just shaking my head because I'm thinking of Jay Powell right now and how he sees all this. But consumer expectations or perhaps politics or I have to be seen to be doing something. So I'm going to hike rates into this. It's it's incredible, Jeff. Uh, I had something else to ask you, but it's escaped my mind. Uh, I did, really did enjoy that performance that you had with Joseph Wang, the Fed guy, and Captain Jack Farley on BlockWorks. That was a great show. Do you have any any comments from that episode that you wanted to share? Or? No, it was actually, it was my first time ever speaking with uh, Joseph Wang and being introduced to Jack Farley and BlockWorks. And I thought it was a really interesting discussion. We have very different views on things, including the Federal Reserve. And, you know, uh, Joseph expressed, I think, his view about why we shouldn't listen to bond yields because it's all Fed to Fed to Fed. Whereas I think, you know, we've staked our case that there is absolutely fundamental value, not just in the yield curve, but how the yield curve actually conforms to all of these other marketplaces. It's not one thing or another. It's all of these things, including, I don't know if you want to talk about, you know, get to that question from the Twitter comment about the Indian rupee. I mean, something like the Indian rupee, it is in lockstep with the shape of the yield curve, not nominal interest rates, but the flattening of the yield curve. They changed on the exact same day. The yield curve, you know, the 10-year treasury hit its nominal peak last year. It's gone a little higher since, but it stopped rising per, for all intents and purposes on March 19th of 2022, almost a year ago. And that's when the Indian rupee hit its up level too. Now it's been up and down and, and volatile ever since, but by and large, the rupee has been weakening. And just recently it hit a new record low. And I think the Twitter question was on point by saying, well, isn't the rupee going lower because of, of oil prices and how the Indian economy is absolutely uh, sensitive to importing so much oil. And I think that's part of it. 
But we have these financial and monetary factors with the euro dollar system that the Indian rupee up with reflation and then down again with deflation potential. The U.S. yield curve up with reflation and then flatten, maybe even lower as we get into deflationary potential downturn. The euro dollar futures curve, nicely upward sloping, now ugly as a wretched cat. We're going to use that. We're going to use Emile's term forever. Whenever I see this inverted inversion, it's going to be Emile's a wretched cat. Uh, swap spreads, exact same timing. We have decompressing in 2020 into 2021. Suddenly they stop. You know, swap spreads should be pricing higher interest rates if the Fed's going to hike. They're not. So it's all of these things together, whether it's in the Indian rupee, the dollar's exchange value, all of these other financial indications where you can't, I don't think you can just simply dismiss it as, oh, the Fed bought a bunch of bonds under QE. If Captain Jack Farley was the host of the show, he would have done a better job with that Indian rupee question. I don't think I even, I just brought it up and then I spaced out. Well, I apologize at Shervin D on Twitter for not mentioning your name right from the beginning. All right, Jeff, that's it from me. Great show. Anything that we didn't cover that we've got to cover today right now? No, just the retching cats. We need to worry about whether or not the retching cats are going to continue to, to retch. David Parkins, I'm going to ask him to draw a cat that's retching. <laughs> and we're going to have the front part going straight up and then the back is arched. And I think the cat will be spitting out a hairball and that hairball will be Jay Powell. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. All right. We'll see what happens. All right. Take care, Emil.